well, this could happen. I could lose my wife. I could lose my kids. I could lose my job, but I probably won't. No, you literally are going to lose your kids and your job. You literally are going to lose your wife. Say, so why when I'm bored, do I want to go look at porn versus something else? The longer you act as if something is what it is, eventually it starts to become not an act anymore. If your goal is to protect them from seeing porn, give up now because it's going to happen. Like they're going to see it. It's inevitable. So the best thing you can do for your child is to prepare them. Dear young married couple, the Bible says to be in the world, but not of it. In this conversation, we just get real about the world that we find ourselves living in. And we had the privilege of interviewing Carl Thomas. He is an executive director of Live Free Ministries. He's also an ordained pastor and has a master's in theological studies. And he just shares his story about happening upon pornography at a young age, the average age of first exposure actually, and how he came to the point in his life that he decided to overcome it and how that happened and how he can help you overcome it as well. So if your story is affected by pornography in any way, this is an episode for you to listen to. Yeah, he really gives some insights, some pitfalls that people think will get them free. Um, And then really what does work? What needs to change for people to to find that freedom that they're looking for? So listen in. This is going to be a great conversation. Welcome, Carl, to the podcast. We're thankful to have you with us today. Welcome. All right. Well, hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. We love what you're doing. And uh, before we jump into everything that you have to share, to equip the community with, we want to hear a little bit about your story, your struggles with pornography and um, how you overcame. So if you'll just rewind back and take us to the beginning, wherever that is for you, we'd love to hear. I'll try to give you the bullet points because it's it's a pretty long story. And honestly, the last 10 years have been kind of crazy. So I mean, in a good way, but just so many twists and turns, I never would have anticipated any of it. Mm. Uh, But yeah, I got exposed when I was, I want to say eight, pretty typical stuff. Very common. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Friend of mine, I've told this story a few times, but friend of mine, Hey, Hey, I want to show you something. Go out to the woods, pulls out a a mag. I don't remember what brand, Uh, but just looking back now as an adult, I think to myself, who the heck stores paper products in the wet woods? That's <laughs> dumb. <laughs> just dumb. There's no plastic bag. Like, you right. Know, right. That's it's funny. Yeah. Hermeneutically sealed something or other, but whatever. <laughs> um, show me the pages. Uh, of course, my brain was, wow, that's interesting. And then yeah, that kind of triggered the, uh, the curiosity aspects of it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, doing uh, things that before the internet, honestly, I'm that old. I'm, <laughs> it's crazy. I'm, 50, but I'm that old. There was no internet when I first saw porn. So, <laughs> things, you know, going into the bookstore and going to the nude photography books, you know, things like mm, that. Just gotcha. Yeah. And then um, parents bought something called a black box, which there's no need for these days. But back then it was the scrambler to scramble mm-hmm. all the channels. So my, my uh, parents bought that. And my dad worked a lot, so he would be out of the house at night. And I'd sneak into the room, and the black box unscrambled all the all the adult channels. Ah, so okay. Got to watch them. That was when I was older, you know, teenager, uh, junior high teens. And then the internet came, and then, man, forget about it. So, yeah, um, you know, carried that all through college. Also, was you know having sex, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, met my wife when I was around thirty. 
yeah, 30. Did not tell her about any of it. She, okay. she, knew, I, she knew I had a sexual history, but mm-hmm. she had no idea about the porn. Yeah. I saved that uh, for her. I saved that for her. Uh, what was it? Mother's Day. Yeah. So uh, the, what first happened? Ba- first baby. I'm not, I'm, you're going to probably hang up on me. The worst person <laughs> in the world. So Mother's Day, first baby. Obviously, she's going through all this stuff that a mm-hmm. first-time mother goes through. Yeah. Um, that night, I come down with pneumonia. Did not know it was pneumonia, right? Had no idea what it was, but I was feeling deathly ill, like so bad that I literally thought, I'm dying. Mm. And of course, two o'clock in the morning, if you feel like you're dying, why not unload all your dirty laundry on your poor unsuspecting <laughs> wife to get it off your chest? before? Oh, you wow. Break, right. That's oh what I did. Goodness. I said, Hey honey, I got to talk to you. And I was crying. I told her that I struggled with porn all the time. She took it really well. Years later, she tells me the reason she took it really well is because she thought I was going to tell her I was having an affair. So she was relieved mm, that it was gotcha. porn versus an actual person. Um, but that kind of got the ball rolling. I used to say that stopped then. Of course it didn't. I just got better at hiding it. Mm-hmm. Uh, went through the next, I don't know five years or so and um just just up and down cycle of trying to mm-hmm. quit white knuckle in it not did you think that I- you would like after telling her did you think oh man like i'm done now yeah i've yeah, i've confessed hour, yeah hour, okay you know, it's just yeah. kind of common you know mm-hmm. um i never had the kurt cameron fireproof movie move moment where i took my computer out and threw it in the trash can uh, <laughs> okay. I also never had a computer that big. That was a monster. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but I did have many, many moments where it's okay, I'm done. And then mm-hmm. an hour later, no. So, okay. Um, but then I got, I started to kind of get serious about it. A, a good friend of mine, who's now a good friend of mine, he was a pastor. He came to our church, talked about being all in. I realized that there was this area of my life I needed to work on. Mm. Finally, found a really good younger guy in the church who, who was my accountability partner at that point, he was also okay. dealing. So we, I actually had a real accountability partner. I had tried other guys and it just never worked out, but mm-hmm. he was in it to win it just like me. So okay, that really helped. And then mm-hmm. right around the same time I went in, this, I enrolled in seminary to pursue an unknown Christian calling. I was the insurance business. I was an insurance professional for 17 years. So I said, I don't know where I'm going with this, but <laughs> I think God, has got me going somewhere. Yeah. At the time I thought maybe church, that's a joke. I would get fired. So, <laughs> but at the time I thought maybe I'll get hired by a church. I mean, I might've got hired, but it would have been for an hour, maybe. So <laughs> just be real. But um, yeah, so all that came out and then weird. I, I hadn't looked at porn for about a month. I told this guy, Jeff, who was the pastor, who's again, now a really good friend of mine. Shared with him how his message impacted me, blah, blah, blah. Used to follow Triple X Church at the time, mm-hmm. uh, more because of their unorthodox, unorthodox approach to evangelism. I mean, it's really not unorthodox. It's the way it should be. But for a lot of Christians, it's mm-hmm. very unorthodox. You know, mm-hmm. Going to porn shows and telling people that Jesus loves them next mm-hmm. to the guy selling dildos. It's very <laughs> strange for a lot of people. But that that's is, how, yeah, that's unorthodox. Roll, right? Yeah. So I loved it. Um, I never, ironically, used any of the resources to get free of porn, but I was, I did love the evangelism aspect. So they were going to the Edison Exotica. This is about 10 years ago. And um, they, they used to partner with church, local churches to supply half the team or most of the team. 
Okay. So I reach out to Jeff and I say, Hey, you have spot on the team. I would love to do this. And I don't know what the heck Jeff was thinking. He and I laugh about this now, but he's the sure Carl. I should have never been on that trip. I mean, I'm mm. porn addict going to a porn show. That's ridiculous. And were you but, open about this? Like, did you tell your colleagues yeah, see, and friends? That's how I know it wasn't God ordained thing because there was no dishonesty or trickery or any of that. It was uh-huh. just stuff fell through the cracks that should have never fell through the cracks. Right. Mm. Like if triple H church, again, I used to work for him. So when they would, um, when we would partner with a, uh, with a church, it was up to the church to screen their people. So okay. I didn't have to fill out an application because the application would have asked me if I struggle with porn. Jeff never mm. asked me. He just said, okay. yeah, you're in. Right. Mm, so okay. go to their training the night before at Fridays and, um, they do their, their spiel. Right. Mm-hmm. And afterwards I go up and talk to this young guy, younger guy. And I just start asking him, Hey, what's, what do you guys do? What's, what's your role? And uh, he said, well, you know, I do a lot of things with the ministry, but the main thing I do is I work with the pastors who are dealing with issues. I said, Oh mm-hmm. wow. What's that like? He says, ah, it's not so good. I said, really? He said, yeah, it can get really awkward and uncomfortable because a lot of times I got to tell these guys that they should step back for a season. Mm-hmm. And none of them really want to hear that. Mm-hmm. Right. What? What are you talking about? And then he starts laying out Titus and Thessalonians and all these passages I was very familiar with, but I never really thought about. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't realize what my deal is. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking to myself, holy crap. Like, mm. This guy is basically just calling me out saying, Carl, you got no business going into this world until you get your crap together. Ah. And, uh, and that hit me like a ton of bricks because I just dropped all this money on seminary with this idea of I was going to go somewhere. And so for me in that moment, I connected purpose with, or yeah, I connected purpose with my addiction and, and the fact that if I kept dealing with this stuff, I was never going to be able to go after the thing that really, really meant a lot to me because mm-hmm. the insurance world, it might've paid, but I couldn't right. stand it. Right. And sure. uh, so now all of a sudden it shifted the scales and it became a, um, cost, I don't know, what's, what's the word I'm trying to think of? It, it just became one of these things where, is it really worth it? You know, normally mm. when you struggle with porn, it's the balance is, hey, do I want an orgasm or do I want an hour of feeling like crap? And mm. 95% of the time, orgasm wins, right? Yeah. Mm. Feeling okay. like crap sucks, but can't compare to an orgasm. Mm. Um, but for me, at that point, it all shifted and it was no longer short-term propositions it was long term so it's orgasm go after what you want which is going to shape the rest of your life Mm -hmm. and that was a huge price to pay for orgasm Uh, so i started just finding the ability to say no i think i'll pass right wow so So that was your motivator it was the long-term vision of what god had for you i think there's been there's Mm. been studies done that a lot of times when guys like like you're talking about they don't have a very definite purpose in their life and therefore they don't have enough of a reason to overcome this incredible mountain in their life they, that they can't talk to anybody about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of reason. There's a lot of reasons that quote, you know, addicts, if you want to call them that, I hate label sometimes, but yeah, in the addiction world, there's a lot of reasons people have to hit rock bottom before mm-hmm. they come up. Right. Because rock bottom forces them to analyze everything and realize what's really important yeah, and what's not. And, and when something's threatening what's really, really important and it becomes real and not just 
well, this could happen. I could lose my wife. I could lose my kids. I could lose my job, but I probably won't. You know, when it's no, you literally are going to lose your kids and your job. Yeah. You literally are going to lose your wife. All of a sudden you get really motivated. So mm-hmm. that's what ha- that's kind of what did it for me. But that was, I would say the next year to two years, even three years was more of sobriety versus freedom, right? Mm-hmm. Like I found the ability to say no, not because I was willpower, white knuckling it, but because I was doing a process in my head of weighing things out. You know, what are my goals? What are my values? Mm. What's important here? Does this really line up with what's important? No, it doesn't. Hmm. Um, you know, stuff they talk about when you when you dive into the subject of vagal tone and all this other stuff that I geek out on, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would say freedom, it turned into freedom over the years as I started to unpack a lot of the reasons I went to porn in the very first place. Yeah. And a lot of that, I just ended up learning because I ended up getting hired by Triple X Church a year mm-hmm. later, two years later full-time. And then I worked with them for years, quit once, came back as the COO, quit again, started another ministry. Then in March, we actually acquired Triple X Church. So it's just this full wow. round. Congratulations. Yeah, the last That's 10 years so has cool. been kind of nuts. So, mm, my yeah. goodness. Wow. wow. So with this, this is a really incredible story. With this trajectory of you, you know, finding yourself stuck in porn and uh, this kind of self-realization and, and finding purpose and everything. How does shame intersect in that story? Like, where does it really start hitting you and coming in and playing a part in your life? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, is, I didn't know it at the time, but shame is a, uh, it's a huge aspect of, it, it's not only a major mode of, uh, a major factor in why we continue our addictive spirals, mm. if you will, or patterns, but it's also the initiator for a lot of this stuff because mm. it's stuff that you carry from your childhood, you know, uh, self-worth issues, um, affirmation issues, love issues. And yeah, at the time I didn't realize I was going to porn because of those things, but that's what I was going to, right. Mm. Because it was, I, it was funny. I remember not funny, but, one of the things that was a big trigger for me was boredom. So why when I'm bored, do I want to go look at porn versus something else? And it was because looking back and realizing now, whenever I was bored, it would make me realize that I was being unproductive. Mm. And then I would look at my friends who went to college with, I was in a frat and a lot of these guys are really up and like, they were very successful. Mm -hmm. I'm working at a family insurance agency and I, I mean, I was doing all right. Um, but I wasn't probably making the money I, I should have been making somewhere else. And so I'm looking at their lives saying, man, I, I am mm. not where I really should be. Mm. And, you know, again, the job, just insurance sucks. I'm sorry if you're an insurance agent. I hate it. <laughs> Maybe you're passionate about it. I know there's people that love numbers and are actuaries. I think that job sucks too, but um, <laughs> not for me, yours. It, yeah, for me, yeah. it didn't work. Yeah. You know, so Boredom would set that realization in that here you are, Carl, stuck in this dead end career that you don't like and you're not being productive. So you're uh, you don't really have a whole lot of worth right now. Mm. You know, that's all going in the back of my mind. But in the front of my mind, it's you're bored. Well, let's go look at porn. So a lot of that all stems back from shame issues when I was a kid, you know, and then, of course, not talking to people about it was was perpetuated by, you know, I would have probably got a lot Mm -hmm. more help. I probably would have got 
help earlier in my life mm-hmm. if I wasn't so hesitant about going to people about it in the first place, you know? Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. How did you have that realization? Because a lot of people I've worked with and I've talked to know that boredom for them is a trigger, mm-hmm. but they they don't connect those dots of like, oh, I'm feeling this and that's linked to this. Like, how did you put those pieces together? Counseling, (laughs) a lot of counseling, a lot of introspection, just looking back. uh, It's funny. I've learned more about my addiction looking back than when I was in the midst of it. Right. Mm. Um, One of the the interesting things I find about dealing with porn, especially, but I'm sure it's with anything. There's a trend with a lot of modern day coaches, instructor, whatever you want to call it, thinkers, right? In this area that the focus is on solving the pain in your life, which is absolutely pain is pain is a major and and shame is pain in some regards, Mm -hmm. right? So that is a big thing. You have to deal with that if you're going to sustain some some sort of long-term freedom, right? Mm -hmm. But there's also the element of decision-making, right? Where it's, has nothing like, yeah, I have pain about this, but that's still, I still got to look at the merits of my decision and this decision makes sense or is this going to be dumb? Mm. Right. Mm. And so um, sometimes you see that kind of get pushed aside and it's, it's both, right. It's Mm. yeah. You need, you need healing and, and resolve Mm. for some of these things in your life, or at least the best you can do, because sometimes Sometimes you can't get complete healing. Sometimes the best you can do is just say, hey, I know this has to do with a wound from when I was a child. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the best you'll ever get sometimes. Um, but the decision-making is huge, right? Mm-hmm. And then, again, getting the if guys want to geek out, uh, geek out uh, Google vagal tone and really interesting stuff like fight and flight and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's huge. So for me, I kind of really, really honed in on the decision-making process Nice. And that's what kind of kept me out of the soup. But then long term, it was, I kept going back to these things, trying to figure out why the heck did, was that the case? Why the heck did that happen? Mm. And, uh, you know, putting together the dots. And yeah. uh, I mean, I'll be honest, some of the stuff I put together when I was writing uh, my book, you know, I just, uh-huh. I started diving into things. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, start. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's an, it's an ever going process. You know, you're, just, yeah. you know, you need to keep, being introspective, you need to keep going back to things. You need to keep revisiting things. If stuff, if something doesn't seem right, you don't ignore it, right? Yeah, you, you, absolutely. You ask the questions, right? You, you, right. Do, you do the digging. I love this approach. It's very refreshing because you're right. In, in the world of coaching and therapy, we're often focused on the root, right? And that's important. Like you said, trying to dig and ask questions and where did this come from? What are, what are the stories behind this? What, what, what do I tell myself about myself because of this? Um, however, if you are going through that process, it's present progressive, you're in the process, you have got to focus on the decision-making. And I love that you highlight that. Yeah. I think a lot of people kind of kind of throw that to the side, like, oh, let's focus on the real stuff. Um, but yeah. What about in between? You have to be able to hone in on that decision-making process and get better at making decisions until you're healed and thereafter. Yeah. Yeah. So let me piggyback off that. So maybe you're talking to a guy 
that's struggling right now. He's going through this right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking back at your own experience of going through it and probably now coaching a lot of other people on this, how would you coach them to look at their situation and decision-making decision, decision process to set them up for more wins? We'll be right back to the interview, but first we wanted to share something that we are really excited about. So you know, we all have those times where we don't feel super connected to our spouse and we really don't know what conversations to have to get us to that connected place. And then on top of that, we're so busy that we don't prioritize those conversations. And that's why we created the monthly live date night. And monthly live date night is every month on a Friday night for 90 minutes, 60 minutes. We focus on a topic that uh, you guys pick and then 30 minutes we do a Q&A and it's live where we're all together asking questions and giving answers on topics related to your marriage, your intimacy. And we share tools. Uh, We have handouts that we call homework because we want you to be there to listen and to soak in. But we really want you to take action in your marriage too. So come join us live for the next monthly live date night. Check the link in the show notes for dates and details. All right. Back to the interview. Yeah. So that's a, that's kind of a loaded question because it's like a lot of things when you're dealing with the pornography conversation, whether it's filtering accountability, it's all how you approach it. Right. So decision-making is more than what sometimes we think it is. Right. We hear decision-making. It's like, well, I'm just going to make the decision not to look. Yeah. Just, just say no. (laughs) Right. And I'm just, yeah, I'm going to hang in there. And that's, that's not decision-making that's white knuckling. That's just Mm -hmm. willpower. And that will always fail you eventually. Right. I mean, some guys Mm -hmm. get real good at willpower. They'll go two years, but they relapse. It it always happens. Mm -hmm. Willpower will never get you there. Decision-making is literally having, basically having a high awareness level of the situation and evaluating, okay, Mm -hmm. hey, here's the, here's the good, here's the bad. What makes more sense? Uh, Working with your, what we call your thinking brain and your feeling brain or your lizard Mm -hmm. brain and Mm -hmm. doing that dance between the two because your feeling brain or lizard brain, I call it, but that. That they that just wants to go the the route that's going to make it feel best. Absolutely, doesn't yep. care about the consequences. Whatever is going to mm-hmm. make me feel good now is is what I want to do. Yeah. And your critical brain is saying, ah. but usually that part of your brain gets shut down, thrown in the trunk of the car, locked yep. away in the closet. Pretty early on in that process, yeah, yeah. And so mm-hmm. it's not something that you can flip the switch on. You know, yeah. like there's, there's, there's a lot of things that you need to do to build up what they call a healthier vagal tone, where you need to get a higher awareness level, where you need to build emotional resilience. And those things mm-hmm. are, are varied. Uh, one of the most important things obviously is community and getting yeah. plugged in with people and building that yes. support system. But it's also fitness. It's uh, mm-hmm. things you eat. It's daylight, sunlight, uh, exposure to daylight and sunlight, uh, mm-hmm. movement, like all these things are things that factor into brain health, right? Mm -hmm. So you can't, you know, it's not, hey, just make better decisions, but it is, hey, you need to start working through some of these things to help your brain's health. And Mm -hmm. then if you have a healthier brain, you're going to be able to think through this stuff more critically with more awareness, and you're going to be able to make better decisions. Um, So good. Sounds like you're saying we need to change your life. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Here's the thing. It's like, I had, I had a client, I used to coach back in the day a couple of times. Um, but I had this one guy, he was a pastor and he was a nice guy. He was a great guy actually. And I remember we had a really tough session and he said to me, 
you know, I forgot what it was. I think he had just relapsed and he wasn't telling me the truth. And we had a good, we had a good out. And I'm from Jersey. So I just told him, I said, dude, don't waste my time if you're going to lie to me. Right. Mm. And yeah. he kind of admitted that it was a lot of, he actually said, said, there's a lot of shame in my life. I feel really bad about this. I feel, and I just told him, I said, listen, dude, I, I understand you got a lot of pain. I understand these are unresolved issues. I, I, I understand all of that. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you also know that even though you're feeling it, you know, that's a bunch of crap. Mm-hmm. So don't, yes, we got to get to that pain. You got to, you got to fix that stuff at some point, but you still can have the awareness to realize that what you're believing in this moment is a bunch of, mm-hmm. you know, and <laughs> you don't need to buy into it. Like yeah. You can, yeah. you can choose the other path, right? You mm-hmm. can literally say, I'm going to go this route, even though I know I feel like this, I know that feeling is not accurate. Mm. right knowing yeah. knowing something doesn't knowing that something isn't accurate and feeling it are two different things right you yeah. can mm. feel it and know it's wrong talk about that so talk good. about that oh that's i mean that's a big part of shame i mean that's a big part of uh and i i got a book coming out called when shame gets real mm-hmm. and i dive into this whole conversation between the thinking brain and the, i call it the uh in the book i call it i basically say hey your lizard brain is kind of like the office manager Right. Uh-huh. He's the guy handling the day to day ops and he just wants to get through the day. <clears throat> and your thinking brain is kind of like the CEO. He's the guy that's looking <laughs> at the whole operation and trying to keep everything healthy. Yes. But at the, the reality is the day to day decisions are going to fall on the office manager more than the CEO. CEO mm-hmm. might not want to go this route, but the office manager is just going to do to get just do what he has to do to get through the day. Yeah. Right. And, and that's the thing. So you got to get those guys talking. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I said, you know, when it comes to shame, especially in the beginning, and, and this was this was it for me, is it's it's an act as if situation, right? Mm-hmm. It's understanding that what you're feeling isn't accurate of the mm-hmm. of the current situation. Right. I feel like I'm a piece of crap, right? I feel like no one's gonna love me. I feel like mm-hmm. if I if I'm open and honest about the situation, everybody will reject me. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you know what? I also know that what I'm feeling isn't really necessarily true. So I'm going to act as if it's not true. Even though I, it's killing me right now, I'm just going to push through and act as if. Mm-hmm. And then there's science behind that. The act as yeah. if idea. It's, it's, it's very scientific and psychological and mm-hmm. um, benefit to it. You know, Because yeah. over time, basically in a nutshell, the longer you act as if something is what it is, Mm-hmm. It eventually starts to become not an act anymore, right? Mm-hmm. You yeah. behave behave the way you want to be, right? Mm-hmm. And eventually you become the person you are behaving as, right? So good. And mm-hmm. I've had that multiple times in my life where I just had to, you know, I had it with uh, I had a situation with my daughter, and I share that in the book too. And I mean that was that was rough. That was an act as if moment because mm-hmm. you know it got real when she uh-huh. asked me some stuff, and I was like, oh gosh, I don't want to tell her. But I I knew I had to, so I just got into it with her, and it was rough. Like some questions about your history and life. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you what happened, but um, yeah, I mean, if you want to share, yeah, yeah, I don't talk about in the book. So what the heck? Uh, We were at a Phillies game. I'm from Philly, and um, just daughter daddy night. She's a teenager having a great time, and it's the only sport that she's into. She hates every other sport, but she likes baseball because it's in her words chill. (laughs) <laughs> and um watching it and all of a sudden my phone starts getting texts from this guy that i used to go to church with back in the day 
And he, he nice guy, bit of a knucklehead, but hey, listen, he's married. Hey, um, you know, do you have any recommendations for apps to block the bad stuff? First of all, what 37-year-old is still calling it bad stuff? But regardless, <laughs> I, I digress. So knucklehead. <laughs> yeah. I've I've had these conversations with him and I you know, he used to come to like a local group I hosted. So this this is not new thing for him. Mm-hmm. And I just texted him back and said, bro, I can give you apps. Apps ain't gonna fix it. You gotta get in, like you gotta get into some other yes. stuff. You gotta get in the yes. community, you gotta get some counseling. Yeah. Yeah. So just sign up for live free and we'll talk more, but, or I'll get together with you if you want, but mm. app ain't going to do it. Mm-hmm. And, um, he never called me back, but anyway, <laughs> I guess I didn't give him the answer he wanted, but my daughter being a typical teenager is being nosy and uh-huh. she's looking over my shoulder. I didn't realize it. And she says, hey, well, what are you talking to that guy about? And I just gave her a smirk. I was like, you know what daddy does, right? <laughs> oh, She's like, isn't? And she saw the name. She said, isn't he from our old church? Yes. Yes, he is. Ah, mm-hmm. Christians struggle with that too? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Like, probably just as much, if not more, than non Christians. Yes. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yes, it's very common. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Ew. That's what she said. I'm like, <laughs> and then she says, well, you never struggle with it, right, Dad? Mm. I'm at a Phillies game. We're having a great time. I really don't need to get into this right now. Yeah. And, you know, that was an act as if moment. Cause I, mm-hmm. my daughter might look at me like I'm a piece of crap and uh, this could change everything, mm-hmm. but I got to do the right thing. Cause if, if I don't, I'm just a hypocrite. I tell everybody else, Hey, this is how you got to behave. This is how it's got to be. Be open, be transparent. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. You know, truth, truth is, is the best policy, if you will. Yeah. yeah. You got to do it. So I just, Yeah. Yeah, for a long time. Oh my gosh. Then she starts crying immediately. And I'm like, what the heck did you just do, Carl? You idiot. Um, Yeah. So, but then I just said to her, I was like, listen, it's true. I said, what do you, what do you want? uh, Dad's not perfect. Do you want to, do you want a perfect daddy or do you want an honest dad? Mm. She said, I'd rather have an honest dad. I said, well, you got one. I'm going yeah. to be honest with you. I said, I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear just to make me to make myself look good. I mess up too. Right. And so you got an honest dad. And uh, she was like, I like that. She said, is mm-hmm. it okay that I'm upset about it right now? I said, yeah, absolutely. Of course it's okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was a very tough situation. Yeah. But yeah. you know what? Um, I'd say our relationship got even closer as a father and daughter. After oh, that. for because sure. Because she knew yeah. if dad could tell me that, he'll tell me anything. Yeah. And you're safe. Like Mm -hmm. when she's struggling with something that she knows is potentially off-putting or might. It's off track. Off track or, you know, since she knows that about you and she has an honest daddy, Mm -hmm. who is she going to go to? Yeah. Yeah. And I've had talks with my son about stuff like that. And, Mm you know, he'll he'll come and tell me everything. And I know most people are like, oh, come on. He's, he's 14. How honest is he? I'm pretty, I'm 99.9% certain he's always being honest with me about That's any good. of this stuff mm-hmm. because he's the world's worst liar. He has no <laughs> poker. I play poker. What a blessing. <laughs> he has no oh. poker skills. Oh, that's so funny. Pretty much can, yeah. Like but you've cultivated that environment with your kids where they know yeah. it's safe to talk to you. What, what role did shame play 
in that conversation with your daughter? Oh, it's huge. Cause again, I'm thinking about, well, you know, she might not look at me the same. She might not oh. feel the same. Um, gosh, what a, what a jerk am I that I have to tell my daughter this at the game. Why mm-hmm. couldn't I just stayed out of hot water in the first place? And that, you know, it's all that just feeds yeah. all that. And so all that negative trash talk that, that yeah, shame will yourself. speak. Yeah. yeah. And when you have mm-hmm. someone that you care about deeply and you're thinking that they might turn on you, that is real. Like mm-hmm. that is not light. You know, it's not yeah. light stuff. That is heavy. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was, it was, it was a huge factor. Right. Mm-hmm. But again, yeah, I, I had to do what I had to do because it, I knew what I valued and I knew what was true. And at the end of the day, I knew that regardless of what she walked away with at that, the right thing was to be truthful about it. Yeah, It was the healthy thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and yeah. I just knew that also, even if she didn't look at me the same, it didn't change anything about who I was. That was, right. that was going to be her damage that she had to deal with. It, it wasn't me, you know? Mm. Um, so, you know, you so just how, gotta, how just long push did, through sometimes. yeah. So how long did the, the shame, uh, last in that scenario before it was replaced by that relief and transparency? Uh, 10 minutes. (laughs) Okay. All right. So it didn't, wasn't this ongoing, like several days or weeks of like, I wonder what she's thinking. You bad dad. Okay. No, she, she kind of wears her emotions on the sleeve a bit too. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. She's not like my son. He's Mr. Emotions on his sleeve. Mm -hmm. Like kid lives his emotions. Mm -hmm. Mia will be quiet, but she's not very good at hiding her displeasure. Okay. Discomfort. She doesn't. She doesn't have a poker face either. Uh, so <laughs> you know when she's not happy. It's like, hey, okay. me, is everything okay? Yes, you're lying. Is, to me. Right? is that a Jersey so, thing? Might be. Might be. I'm sure it helps. It definitely helps. It definitely. Helps. <sighs> uh, but yeah. So you know, she got upset, but then she gave me a hug, and I think the honesty thing was at the end of the day just more valuable to her than yeah. the fact that I wasn't just perfect perfect dad you know yeah. i had i have flaws and mm-hmm. uh and we had a great night the rest of the night it was awesome that's great yeah, yeah never looked back it was fine in fact you know now we joke about it mm-hmm. crazy right you're joking okay. about with your wife and your kids in a room about porn it's crazy <laughs> we cracked porn joke <laughs> kind of your business isn't it <laughs> yeah we have a tiktok thing a tiktok that we started i don't know someone runs it for me i no, I don't want to waste my time with that. But, um, <laughs> but I posted one video. They posted one video of me, and this one video got a whole bunch of views, right? Uh huh. And I was joking with my kids. I said, "Hey, I got a, I'm I'm an influencer now. I got all these views." <laughs> and um, so that okay, Dad's the porn influencer. Oh right? no! That's what he, <laughs> it is. Oh no, the porn free influencer. Uh, there and you then, go. Uh, oh yeah. So we're always and, and anytime like words in the house come up like corn. Uh-huh. did you say porn uh- <laughs> that's weird i don't want porn on the cob you know it's like we just, oh my goodness yeah it's a little irreverent in our house at times but yeah it's just kind of <laughs> do you know it's normal life is usual i think some families could use to talk like that mm-hmm. since probably 80 percent of the household occupants are watching porn but nobody mm-hmm. talks about it <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah i mean how much yeah. like if something came up not if, let me rephrase that. When something comes up on your kid's screen, mm-hmm. 
you know, they're going to be open and honest. Yeah, because or you've normalized more likely that because it's been normalized and, mm-hmm. and they know that, hey, we're living in a fallen world yeah. and you're going to come across stuff that just doesn't work. Yeah. And there's no shame here. Like, it, yeah. it's not worth holding on to that. Mm-hmm. Just let it out. Let's talk about it. Let's go over it. We're living in life. Let's help yep. each other. That's so yeah. profound. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we have we have couples. I mean, I've I just had a podcast or just we do something called office hours in Triple X Church where we answer questions. And last week's question came from a woman and was about her son. And we get questions from parents all the time about how do I deal with my child about porn, whether it's how do I deal with them seeing it, how do I protect them from it? Sure. And uh, my answer usually, I'm sure, is not the one they want to hear. But I tell them, I was like, well, I got bad news for you. If if your goal is to protect them from seeing porn, give up now because it's going to happen. Like they're mm-hmm. going to see it. It's inevitable. So the best thing you can do for your child is to prepare them. Mm-hmm. Like talk about it, be open. So when they do look at porn, they don't feel weird about coming to you and talking about it. That's the yeah. best thing you can do for them. Mm-hmm. Best thing. More yeah. than a filter or a gateway or any of this stuff or pr- sheltering them. No, none of that's going to work. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, or mm-hmm. it only works for a time. You know, sure, then they, so good. Yeah. Then they go to university and they have some freedom. And before you know mm-hmm. it, you know, your daughter who was sheltered and never went to parties, all of a sudden she's having sex with 50 guys in the college because she never had the freedom she has. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. you right. can't protect them, right? You have, mm-hmm. to, you have to have those conversations early. Yeah. Get them to understand the impact of these things so they can make their own decisions at some right. point. You know? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Man, so, after you were talking a little bit ago about how uh, we don't see things very truthfully, well, cognitive distortions, like, you know, our lizard brain communicating to the, the CEO or the manager to the CEO and just thinking about like with parents freaked out about talking about this stuff to their kids, there's fear there that's influencing that manager fear is influencing the CEO part. Like I just couldn't talk about that. I couldn't I can do that. Mm-hmm. But the problem mm-hmm. is, is it's, it's making it difficult for that child down the road. Right. Yep. yep. You and do protect I mean, them by having these conversations. The protection doesn't come in sheltering. It comes in equipping and connecting. Yeah. And it's yeah. not, I mean, there's no, there's no line saying it's easy. It's not easy. Right. There's nothing easy. Anything worth anything. Oh boy, gosh. My grammar teachers are probably like, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> never is easy. Never is easy. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, honestly, that's for me, that was one of the reasons I wrote the book was because it, I've been working with now running, whatever you want to call it. Like I was, I was with triple H church for close to 10 years. The organization itself has been around 20 years, probably one of the first to the ba- first, first to talk about this issue at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. nobody was talking about it right yep. and so they were give them a lot of credit they were the first to get bold about it and talk about it mm-hmm. and so 20 years later we're acquiring this organization back and as we're doing the rebrand and the revamp it's okay hey you know how do i want to i mean i, I like what triple x church back in the day kind of stood for but there's some other things that i want to kind of curtail and mm-hmm. be a little more focused and a little more this mm-hmm. and a little more that so as we're going through all that, you know, our mission statement and our branding and our vision, um, one thing that kept jumping out at me is, you know, it's funny. We've been at, we've been doing this for 20 years and yet 
it's just as bad, if not worse mm. than it's ever been. Right. Yeah. Um, when we did it, there was no one doing it now. Like literally there's people jumping into porn free coaching because it's good money. Like it's mm. crazy. Like that that's actually a demographic that people wow. are going after because it's a profession now. Yeah. Um, there's yeah. tons of organizations and I'm, you know, some are great, some not so great, whatever, but mm-hmm. tons of organizations talking about this topic. So you have all this awareness, all these coaches, all these books, all these programs, more resources and conversation, conversation about this than ever before. Mm-hmm. And yet it's no better. Right. Something's mm-hmm. broke. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, smoking. Just use that as an example. Smoking, when I was growing up, was a big thing. Yeah. Everybody smoked. Every teenager smoked. If you were cool, you smoked. I smoked in college for a little bit. Almost nobody smokes anymore. Right. Except for the 50-some or 60-some-year-old cranky neighbor. Like, they'll mm-hmm. still smoke. But most people don't smoke. Yeah. Awareness campaigns made clearly, a difference. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, however they approach smoking, worked. It worked. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Not with us. You mm-hmm. know? And, and, uh, and I think... We've tried some of the things the smoking campaigns did, but it's a different fit for different things, right? right. You can't you can't paint the same label. Mm-hmm. Um, doing the most of the conversation around sex and porn these days, usually, especially porn, comes down to one of two things. It's either let's talk about how bad it is and destructive it is, or let's talk about strategies to get around get away from it. Okay, but there's almost no talk about the fact that hey, guys, this is. This is just a pro. This is just a life problem. I'm not mm. saying it's not a bad problem, but it's just a problem like overeating, spending too much money, um, being too much, spending too much time on mm. social media. Mm-hmm. It's just the reality of life, and we need to all get over it and be adults about this thing and just say, "Hey, like, yeah, he struggles with porn. You struggle with donuts. So what? <laughs> right? Yeah. Now, now let's get to work." Right. Mm. And I, and that's the big thing is we don't talk about it. So like you said, with parents, yeah. why, why do our kids grow up so ill-equipped? Because our parents are afraid to talk about these topics because of the shame that surrounds these conversations, right? right. Yeah. It's taboo. It's dirty. It's mm-hmm. no, it's none of that. It's yeah. none of that. It's just life. Mm-hmm. And in some mm-hmm. cases, when we're talking about sex and sexuality, it's, it's not even just life. It's, it's a beautiful part of life. It's healthy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Why do we talk about sex? Like, oh, well, you can only talk about sex. No, sex is a wonderful thing. Yes. And we start talking about it in a really healthy way with our kids and let them understand the value of it. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'd walk away with a bigger appreciation than just don't do it. Absolutely. You know? profound. Yep. We 100% agree. Big you advocates really of that. Well, okay. Talk to us a little bit more, Carl, as we wind down about the resources that you offer that really align with this narrative that you've brought to the table today. Uh, I know you offer community and you have your book. Share with us about each of those things. Yeah. So we have a couple different community programs and we have more in the works, but uh, we have something called Live Free Community, the Live Free Community for Men. Uh, you can find information on it at livefreecommunity.org. That's basically a uh, an online community of men who are dealing with sex, porn, unwanted sexual behavior. Throw it all in this big whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's it's community, but it's also we we have resources, we have courses in there. It's all that, and uh, you know, charge five bucks a month. <clears throat> I mean, That's because awesome. we want 
we want it to be affordable for anybody, including a college kid. You know, if a college kid can't afford, I mean, maybe he can, but in his mind, he can't afford a $250 porn-free course. You know, right. that, that, that buys a lot of beer, right? Um, but <laughs> five bucks a month, I can do that. Okay. Um, so the whole thing is our, our vision, our mission, or just a, not vision, um, a really big value of our ministry is recovery needs to be affordable and accessible. That's a big, mm. that's a heartbeat. Um, okay. So we have that. We have uh, also livefreewives.org. So that's for spouses. That's for the other side. That's for the women mm-hmm. who are dealing with infidelity issues and or their husbands are looking to porn or sexual betrayal, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. We have that because they need a resource. And the wives, I know this from my own wife, you know, the wives deal with a ton of shame. Mm. And it's so ridiculous when you think about it, but they feel shame because in their minds, it reflects poorly on them. What did I do? Why, why is her husband have an issue? What's wrong with her? Like that, mm-hmm. these are the narratives that spin through their mind. Right. Yep. And right. I say it's ridiculous, not because, oh, you're ridiculous for thinking that, but I'm saying logically, right? He messed up or he did this. That, that's not on you. You should not own that whatsoever. But I understand mm-hmm. when it comes to feelings and emotions, understanding that and living it mm-hmm. out, two different things. So yeah. right. we have livefreewives.org. That's a completely free community for awesome. spouses. We don't charge a dime for that. Um, we also are working on a woman's community who, for women who struggle. That's mm-hmm. down the road. That's a, that's a bit of a project. Okay. Um, so I don't have a domain for that. Then we have uh, com. That's where we have a lot of blog posts. We have some, uh, we have office hours, which is our weekly videos where we answer questions. We also have some courses that you can, you know, look at like X3 Pure. That's all available on triplexchurch.com. Small groups online. So smallgroupsonline.com is community, but it's community a little, you know, strengthened. So it's not just online community, but it's meeting each and every week via video with 10 to 12 same people we have them for women for spouses and for men nice. and uh it's where they can just get real once a week for an hour would you say that's comparable to like an an aa or na type of yeah it's, okay. it's similar yeah i mean we mm-hmm. don't do 12 steps but the idea is hey get together talk through life challenge mm-hmm. each other whatever mm-hmm. um, and then anybody who's a small groups member also gets live free access for free okay. so we don't charge them for both um, in fact the small groups program used to be 39 dollars a month we reduced it to 30 uh, in January because we want, we know with COVID and the financial, a lot of people are getting hit in the pocket. So again, trying to stick to our values of keeping things affordable and accessible. So we drop the price for everybody, not just new, it's not, it's not a uh, cable promo. Right. We're only new customers. Like, we dropped it for everybody. <laughs> That's awesome. It costs us a lot of money to do that, but I just felt like it was the right thing to do. So we have mm. that. And then we, yeah, have the book, When Shame Gets Real, a new way to talk about sex, porn, and masturbation. Um, that's coming out February 8th. Okay. Nice. And, awesome. Uh, that's going to be Congratulations. On that, that's close. Yeah. yeah. So the information on that is at whenshamegetsreal.com. And we're also working on a small group study for that. And, uh, okay. Workbook and things like that. So, Very good. Yeah. yeah. No, no uh, six figure masterclass. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we are working on a small group study because I think this is something that could be really beneficial if people talked about it with yeah. groups setting. Yes. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So. Yeah. So uh, when this episode airs, it will be after the launch date of your book. So folks can go to when shame gets real.com to get the book. Yep. Can they also get it like on Amazon or other places? Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Amazon's the best place, but the links are all on that website. Okay. Um, Good. So, and you know, you can, you can download a, 
you can download the first chapter for free if you just want to, you know, preview it or whatever. So nice. But yeah, all the links are there. Amazon's without a doubt the best place to go for that. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Oh, this is great. We are so thankful that you are championing this, um, you know, recovery process and doing it so well. We we thank you for your work. Thanks. Well, what hopefully it's well, but <laughs> thank you for having me. That was it was fun. I appreciate the the conversation. It was great. Ah, oh, absolutely. Well, we like to close all of our episodes by asking the same question, and okay. we'll ask it to you. So, going back to the first couple years of your marriage, how long have you been married now? This will be twenty years. Twenty years. It's a, big year. Right. it's a big year. Twenty yes. years. Three. Uh, Triple H Church is turning twenty. Yes, yeah, big big year. Wow, oh, definitely. Yeah. Okay, so rewind back twenty years ago. All those right. first couple years of your marriage. Um, what advice do you wish you would have received? And then you'll fill in the blank, dear young married couple. So this might sound at first cliche, but I promise you, I'm going to go a different direction with it. Okay. So, so the first part is going to sound completely cliche. It's not about you, right? The second part is where I'm going to go a little different. It's about us. Mm. I know when I was growing up, going through a lot of churches, the typical, and I understand the concept, don't get me wrong, but the typical thing is it's not about you. It's about serving the other, right? Mm. I get that. What happens though, and it's with all these things is what sounds great is we attach certain assumptions and certain, and that can become unhealthy where it's not about me. It's about you. So yes, I'll serve you, but I might also accommodate you. I might also enable you. I might also, Mm -hmm. you know, do whatever, do whatever's needed and keep you comfortable. And that's Mm -hmm. not always healthy. And I get into these conversations usually around sex, not just Mm -hmm. porn, but just, Mm -hmm. Hey, we're not having sex. Mm -hmm. Well, she doesn't want to talk about it. So I don't want to piss her off. Well, man, that's not the answer. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, don't be a jerk when you talk to her about it, but not talking is not serving her. You're hurting your marriage if you're not yeah. diving into the issues because you might right. you might be really messing up something, right? The way you're doing things. And if you don't know what it is, you're going to keep hurting her. Yeah. So mm-hmm. she might not like it, but you got to bring it up, right? That's you got to go to marital counseling. Whatever. So it, it's not about you. It's about us. What's going to make us healthier? That's and what's so going to make good. us healthier is more than likely going to make both you and me very uncomfortable for a little while. But that's okay. Absolutely. You know, we'll get to a better spot together. Yes. You know, so it's, it's about us. It's so true. Yep. It's so because when you go to those hard conversations, it's always going to upset the the boat a little bit. Oh, it's yeah. going to make oh, waves. Yeah. yeah you yeah. confront and to then, connect. If you're married to a guy who's a type eight anagram living in New Jersey, <laughs> without a doubt, it's going to get, <laughs> out of doubt, it's just going to, oh. yeah, it's going to get a little bumpy sometimes, but that's okay. You know, my wife's uh, you know, she's a type two. I don't know if you guys are anagram junkies. So she's We're familiar a, with it. We're not junkies. Yeah, she's a type two. So she's a, a pleaser, uh-huh. but, um, but she has a bit of a backbone and she don't take a whole lot because she's in Jersey. So yeah. you're a great pair. Oh yeah, she she can she can hold her own. I, I don't I don't I don't uh, steamroll her at all. That doesn't happen. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, oh, Carl, this has been fantastic. Yeah, and thank you so much for all the work you're doing with men and and really changing the conversation around uh, this yeah. subject. It really needs to happen, especially yeah. if the yeah. church is gonna make the difference it needs to in the world. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah. thank sure. you so much. Can I ask you a quick question? Yeah. So you, uh, 
when you since the name of your podcast is Dear Young Married Couple, right? Yes. Are you dealing with primarily millennials? A yep. lot of millennials. Yeah, yep. we right. have so, we have Gen Z, we have you know Gen X, but mostly mostly millennials. Yeah. I'm probably breaking form here for your show, but I would You're say fine. for them, my you know I would just say a message to them would be, hey, listen, don't don't wait for people to change it for you. You need to change it because mm. we've been trying to change the the way this conversation has been handled for 20 years. The problem is old farts like me, right? It ain't, I mean, if it doesn't happen, if it didn't happen by now, it ain't never happened, right? Uh-huh. Your 50 year old pastor, he's not going to change. Um, the only way it's going to change is if you change it, mm-hmm. you know? So, you, you know, that, that, that's just the brutal truth. It's, yes. it's yeah. up to the millennials and the teens and it's up to them to say, Hey, you know what? I know that this is like not good form. We're going to talk about sex in small group. You know, yeah. I know it's not good form, but yeah, I'm going to talk. I'm going to admit to my buddy that I had a masturbation issue over coffee. Like you got to yeah. go there good. and if good. they start changing it, the culture will change eventually, but it's going to take Absolutely. time. Yeah. Don't wait for the 50 sums and the 60 sums or even the 40 sums to change it for you. They ain't doing it. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, the, the Bible yeah. clearly says, confess your faults one to another. And I yeah. think if the church actually adopts that, Mm-hmm. especially like you're saying, the millennials, mm-hmm. if we actually adopt yeah. that, we can actually start changing this conversation. Right. You can absolutely, but it's going right. to, it's going to be them that are going to have to push that, push That's that right. agenda as they, cause they're eventually going to be the ones that are running it all. Right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. start now and then you'll see these things change. Yes. So, Amen. Preach thank it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Carl. Thank you so much. My pleasure. All right, friends, we really hope that you got a ton out of today's conversation. And if you want help, if you want personal guidance with individual counseling or couples counseling, or even help with you as a couple reaching the goals you have, just reach out. Give us a call at 916-678-1797 or shoot us an email at hello at dearyoungmarriedcouple.com. No matter where you are in the world or in your marriage, we can set up a counseling session with you and we can work toward progress. We also post marriage advice regularly on our Instagram, which is at Dear Young Married Couple. And we'd love for you to join us in conversation there. All right. See you next week. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.